my name's Natalie. If I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, hi. I'm the campus pastor here at Voice Tustin. Pastor Taka's up at North OC today, so we praying for him. He's got he's going to be speaking up there. So, um, yeah, it's so good to see you guys. It's been beautiful outside. Can you believe it? I'm like, thank you, God. We had so much cold and rain for so long. It's been awesome. Um, but yeah, if you guys haven't been here for, if it's maybe your first time or maybe you haven't been here for a little while, we're in the middle of a series. Um, it's called Greatest Hits, and basically we're talking about some of the greatest hits in the Bible. And not even just the Bible, but also in Christianity. So there's been like lots of different moments we've shared and talked about. Um, and so I, I'm actually going to be sharing a really cool one today, but actually our, our question of the day had something to do with who we're going to be talking about today. And so uh, I want to share with you my little beach story that... I have, and mine is not actually a good one. It's kind of like terrifying, actually. So um, <laughs> I brought a friend from the Midwest out to visit a few years ago, and you know she had never been in the Pacific Ocean, and so she was like, she was like ready. She was like ready. She we got down to the beach. It's little Corona Del Mar. If you guys have been there before, so pretty. Lots of rocks though, and she was not. Like, she, she had not even had, like, a chance to, like, let me talk her through, like, beach safety stuff yet. And so she's, like, literally just, like, I'm here. I'm running in the ocean. She goes for it. Before I can even, like, put my towel out, she's, like, halfway out in the ocean. I'm, like, what are you, what are you doing? And so I look at her, and it did not take very long. And I look at her, watch her, because she's having so much fun. And all of a sudden, her, like, smile turns to, like, terror. And I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? And so all of a sudden, I see her just kind of, like, continually going back farther. And all of a sudden, she's like, you can see her trying to, like, come forward, you know? And she can't quite get through the waves. You guys know what's happening? She got stuck in a riptide. And so she had no idea what a riptide was. She had never even heard of it, seen it, nothing. She's like, we jump in lakes. You know, we, there's nothing like that <laughs> in the Midwest. We don't have those there. And so I am, like, looking at her. I'm like, oh, no, she's in a riptide. So I, I'm, like, I'm like, swim sideways. Go sideways. Because, you know, like, you, the only way to get out is to go sideways. It doesn't make, like, logical sense. But, like, if you try to go forward, you're just going to, like, tie your, yourself out, and you'll just get pulled out farther. And so she's, like, looking at me. She's like, what? What? And I'm like, go sideways. <laughs> so she's like, okay. So eventually she gets out, and she, like, comes forward like out of the water and she's like traumatized she's like what just happened to me I was like you got it a riptide you got to like wait before you jump into stuff right and you got to trust the wisdom of somebody who knows what comes next right and so she was like never did that again <laughs> so I was like okay before you go here's how you recognize a riptide and all these things so she learned her lesson but it was a very long time before she got back in the ocean again um, so, but today's story is a little bit like that, and um, how many of you have ever been in a situation where you, it was just super overwhelming, and you felt like it either was either God or it was life that was requiring you to take action on something, but it just, you just felt like you couldn't do it, like too much for you. You kind of felt like, maybe like I'm not even equipped to handle this situation that has been handed to me. And like, I'm, I'm in way too deep. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. It seems like an impossible weight that, for me to bear. Or even, or the situation came to you and you're like, I actually just don't even want to deal with this. <laughs> like, it's a huge situation. I don't even have the energy for this. I don't want to do it, right? How many of you guys have been there? These situations, you don't plan them. 
You didn't want them, but they were there, right? And so, yeah, I don't know what it is for you, but maybe you were handed a big old project and you're like, I did not want to do that at work, right? Or maybe it was forgiving someone who really didn't have any remorse for anything that they had done to you, right? Maybe it was a career change or a relationship change. Those can always be really stressful and sad, right? Um, maybe it was having to care for a loved one um, who couldn't care for themselves. That happened to me. And when I was 17 years old, I had to take care of my mom. And so that was not a situation I was planning for, right? We never planned for those things, but you got to do it, right? Um, maybe it was embracing some kind of unwelcome change in your life, like a diagnosis or an injury or maybe a loss of a loved one or an addition of someone that you didn't really want to be in your family, right? Some of us have had those too, right? But so <laughs> you guys just got that, didn't you? <laughs> so, but, you know, how many of you have been around long enough to know that, you know, you can't just ignore these situations? If any of my Enneagram nines out there, like, you're going to be like, oh, I'll just pretend it's not there and it'll just be fine. I'll be fine. I'm just going to, like, act like nothing's happening and just keep going. That does not work, friends. It does not work. You cannot pretend like nothing's happening and just keep moving forward. You can't do it because now you know that uh, if you don't face your problem, it's going to find you later. And it's going to come back 10 times worse, right? So you got to face into it. And so at some point, it's not if, but when we're going to face these moments. And every single one of us is going to have to make some decisions in those moments. And so our responses to these moments can change just everything in our whole life. And I actually think these can actually have the opportunity to be some of our greatest hits uh, if we do it right if we do it right, because these are the moments that actually end up defining our entire chapters and storylines in our life. And so it's not the wins, but it's the struggle and how we got the win that matters. And so I don't know about you, but I want to be able to tell a good story at the end of my days. I want my kids to be proud of the story that I, that I tell because, yes, I've gone through some hard times, but how did I handle those things and how did I walk through, through those things? And so today we're going to be talking about somebody who did some some good things and some less good things in their storyline. And we're going to learn about their storyline and what they left behind today. And so we're actually going to be talking about Jonah. So how many of you guys have heard the story of Jonah? Uh, if you ever went to, like, Sunday school as a little kid, you probably heard this story. You've probably seen the little picture books. Even if you didn't go to Sunday school, I think a lot of people have heard of the story of Jonah, the guy who got swallowed by a whale. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's just a little make-believe little story, and it's a little kid's story. But this is actually not a kid's story at all. It's actually an us story. It's a really, it's got some depth to it, no pun intended. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw in a dad joke for you guys today. I just had to do it. Uh, but anyways, it's got a lot, a lot of depth in there for us. And so I think we're, once we jump in, you guys are going to see um, just how, how he handled some things, and some really cool lessons that we can learn from this. So we're actually going to jump right into Jonah 1.1. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it up. If you don't, that's fine. We're going to put it on the screen so you can see it up there as well, too. So uh, we're going to jump right in after I take a drink of water. Okay, so Jonah 1.1. Here's what it says. The Lord gave this message to Jonah of Amittai. Get up and go to this great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked these people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Enneagram 9 maybe? I don't know. Uh, he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship 
leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket, and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord. So Jonah is already, like, not on, off to a great start here. He's already choosing the ignore it method, which we all know how that's going to end. But we'll keep, we'll keep going. Just, you know, we're going we're gonna to dive in. We'll, we'll see what happens. So we move on to verse 4, and it says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. And fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God, and maybe he'll pay attention and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. All right. So we're going to skip forward just a little bit, just for time's sake. Um, But it says the sailors were terrified when they heard this because what he had said is that I worship the, the Hebrew God, the one who created the heavens and the earth. And so they were, like, terrified now because for now he'd already told them he was running away from this Lord. And so, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. So dramatic, but so unavoidable, or so avoidable, right? Like, we all have heard this, right? Trying to get peace from ignoring the situation is just, it's going to turn into chaos. We know this is how it goes. Um, and, but unfortunately, like, peace is, this, it's this thing sometimes we Christians, we love to say, I have a peace about it, right? I have a peace about it. And we like to use that to justify our bad decisions, <laughs> right, sometimes. And we're like, we think that if just because we might feel good about it, maybe it's okay, right? But peace is not the indicator of a good decision, Okay, arguably, like, Jonah didn't seem too bothered by his disobedience. He didn't seem too bothered that he was actually putting his life and other people's life now in danger. Um, He just didn't want to go to Nineveh. He just didn't want to do it. And you can be completely irresponsible and still lay your head down on the pillow at the end of the night. You can still do that. And you can be doing the exact opposite of what God's asking you to do, and you can feel a ton of peace about it. Because for the moment, for the moment, it feels good, right? You're like, it's off my mind, not thinking about it, no big deal. But peace is not an indicator of a good decision. Obedience and responsibility are the indicators of a good decision. Are you being obedient to Christ? And so some of us have heard this before, but it's, uh, the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Because the loss that you're faced to sacrifice is a lot greater than if you had just obeyed and done the right thing to begin with, right? So obedience is always going to be better than sacrifice. Here's Jonah having to be thrown off a ship, right? I mean, not probably what he had in mind. But actually, actually, I take that back. I take it back because actually I don't think that God, or Jonah had it in mind that God was going to save him. I think he literally thought that facing death might be better than going to Nineveh. And uh, by the way, just, just so you know, like, even that, even, like, facing the consequences, facing death, he's still disobeying God. He did not tell them to turn the ship around. He could have just been like, oh, let's calm this storm. Let's turn the ship around, and I'll go back and do the right thing. No, he didn't choose that. He's like, okay, just throw me over the board then. He's like, I'd rather die. 
what? Like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? And, and so I think that, honestly, I think we're going to have to address the elephant in the room here about, like, why is Nineveh so, why, like, why is this so bad? Why would he be so dramatic about this? Um, because, honestly, he's, like, boarding a boat that's 35 miles in the wrong direction, and he's sailing to Tarshish, which is in Spain, which is 2,500 miles away from Nineveh, because Nineveh is the capital of what modern-day Iraq. So, Assyria then, okay? And so what could be so bad about it that he would be doing this? So to understand that, we probably need to talk about who the Assyrians are and why he would be trying to not go to Nineveh. So the Assyrians are kind of like the Romans on steroids. Um, I don't know if you guys have like heard much about it in history. I didn't know anything about them. But I listened to this podcast called Hardcore History. Have you guys ever heard of this? Hardcore History by, with Dan Carlin. I love it. I'm kind of a history nerd. But they, he does a whole episode just on the Assyrians and how, like, awful, awful, awful they are. And so um, they were some of the most violent people, like, in history. And um, what we learn from their story is that, um, actually, you can read it through in the Old Testament, but they actually wipe out most of Israel. And so Jonah is going... These people probably actually killed someone in his family or did something terrible to someone in his family or wiped out entire tribes that he knew of. And they would do this. They, would, they actually committed, like, several genocides and wiped out entire nations. And they did it just because they were like, we just need you guys to know that we're in charge and don't mess with us. It was, like, literally just so they could, like, teach people a lesson. And so Jonah's like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> like, no, I'm not going there. Are you kidding me right now? And honestly, probably like, I might do the same thing if God was like, why don't you go into like the hands of the murderers and, you know, the people who killed your family? I want to send you there to go give them a message. And so I might kind of feel the same way. I don't know. I can't like harp too bad on him in this moment because he probably had like a plethora of emotions ranging from like fear to anger. And he these are not people to mess with, let alone tell them that God is, like, about to judge them, right? <laughs> God's like, go tell them how evil they are. He's like, are you kidding me right now? No, I think I would rather jump off the side of this ship, right? I'd rather do that than be tortured. And so in his mind, he'd rather die by drowning. And so he runs really far, and then when God demonstrates that he sees Jonah, he responds by trying to throw it all away. And so he'd rather sabotage his life, then go there. But I wonder if that strikes a nerve with any of us today. Because I think there's probably some of us in this room who've had those kind of situations where you're overwhelmed with fear and anger about an overwhelming situation. And in some ways, we'd almost rather throw our life away, like running away or sabotaging yourself or your relationships, than actually go back and fix it. Like go back and do something about it. Because it's scary. It feels overwhelming. It feels like you can't do it, right? And I think some of us, God's been trying to give us this mission that we don't want. And we've done everything that we can to avoid it. And because we don't want to lose someone or we don't want to lose something in our life. But the thing about God is that he's really kind. He's so kind. And he'll never, ever ask you to do something that he won't empower you to do. He will always, always always back you up. You never have to question that. He will always give you what you need to handle that situation. So one way or another, God will find a way to accomplish his mission, but he really, really wants you to be a part of it. 
He really wants you to have a good story. He really wants to do something awesome through you. And so even when we mess up the first time, he's like, you know what? All right, you blew that one. Okay. I'm going to get you. Um, we're going to try again. And so he gives us second chances to be a part of his story, and sometimes third and sometimes fourth. So even if you blew it the first time, there's still hope. You can still turn back. You can still do the right thing. There's still a story for you to tell. So we're going to move next. We're going to move on and see what happens next. It's 117. It says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Then Jonah prayed. Okay, we'll come back to that. We're going to skip forward to 2 verse 5. And it says, I, this is Jonah now praying. And he says, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. The seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. He's like a poet, I guess, now. And, but you, O oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices, not obedience, but sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows this time. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. So we're going to talk about that for a second. Okay, so like I said, God doesn't hesitate to give us second chances. But here's the thing about that. It doesn't mean that it's not going to get gross for a little bit. Okay, because we're going to have to sit in our consequences sometimes. When, we're in, when we don't listen to what God's telling us to do, when we don't take responsibility for the things he's put in our life, it's going to get kind of gross. God did rescue Jonah, and he did give him a second chance. But even still, you notice in that verse, it says it took him three days of sitting inside of those whale guts to finally say he was ready to obey. Like, think about that for a second. Like, he didn't pray once the whale swallowed him. He sat in that junk. For three days. Three days. I think he was probably, like, mad at God for saving him in some ways. I think he was like, this is not what I was hoping for. I did not want to have to think about this. And here he is. He's just sitting in those guts, right? But here's the thing. It's the longer that you dwell in the dark, the longer you dwell on this stuff, the grosser it's going to get. And when your plan doesn't pan out, it's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay. You can take that time. You got to do what you got to do. You can process. It's all good. You got to do it. But the longer you take, the grosser things are going to get, especially in your own heart. If you don't deal with it, you got to deal with it. And in Jonah's case, in his actual body, he was literally sitting in chewed fish. And so... I don't, do you know why I think it took Jonah so long to finally talk to God? I think he was mad that he saved him. I think he was mad because for three days he let himself dwell on all of the things that he shouldn't have been dwelling about, right? How many of you have been there where you're like processing with God, but really you're just spiraling downhill thinking about all the things that could have, should have, would have. You're spiraling down thinking about blaming other people, Right? When you start ruminating on all the reasons why your situation is unfair 
or it's not what you wanted, or you don't like it, ruminating does some icky stuff inside of our hearts. And so, it, one, it gets you wrapped up in blame rather than personal ownership. You start blaming everybody else. Their fault, their fault, their fault. I'm not going to Nineveh because of them. They, they're bad, right? Okay. Well, he didn't take personal ownership yet, right? So, number two, it causes your mind to create villains out of other children of God. We do this sometimes, don't we? We start to be like, that person is the villain, that person is the villain, that person, whatever. And God's like, uh, they're my kids too. You got to work this out. You got you to gotta figure this stuff out. Because there's nobody that I didn't send my son to die for. Every single person matters to me. And so it also, it'll steal your hope. You're gonna, it'll steal your hope. You start going, making up like all these worst case scenarios, thinking about, the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen, start making up stories, to start having conversations with them, you know, that are like, well, I'm going to tell you this, and then you're going to right? You're like talking in the mirror to yourself, like sassing them in the mirror, but they're not there. They don't hear it, you know? You know what I'm talking about. You've been there. <laughs> don't tell me you haven't been there. It distracts you. The last thing is it distracts you from your purpose. It distracts you from your purpose. And, you know, I'm not exempt from this. I had a, plenty of times in the last three years where I ruminated and I whined and I complained about things not working out the way that I thought they should work out. And I did all of those things. I created villains out of other people. But you guys know we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy from us. It's not people. It's the enemy. And we get distracted from our purpose. But we, when we spend so much time grieving our plans that didn't pan out, we miss out on the good ones, and can I just say better ones, that God has for us. We obsess about what might have been. We miss out on what could be. And so sometimes we just we hang on for dear life to these plans that we have, right? And God is clearly asking us to release them. And so we, gotta, we hang on so long that we find ourselves fighting against the very will of God in our life. And that's not a place I want to be in. It's not a place I want to be in. And, you know, that's what I think a lot of us, we call rock bottom. But sometimes that's just how we humans learn, right? We got to sit in our junk and we got to sit in our consequences until it gets gross enough for us to change, right? And so I think that Jonah had to literally be swallowed by a whale, like maybe the grossest way ever, to learn his lesson, right? Before he was ready. Um, but there's some cool things that actually I want to share about what happens inside the belly of an actual whale. So many biologists actually believe that there is one animal that could do this. It's called the sperm whale. And they've been known to swallow like 15-foot sharks whole before. And so we know it's actually plausible that this could have happened in the belly of a sperm whale. And so um, we, we kind of like think that maybe that's what God sent to swallow Jonah. So, but there's something that happens inside of the whale's stomach when it gets something too big in there to digest. And so what happens is, one, they can either get it out or it can, they'll like literally explode or die. And so <laughs> there's a specific word for the kind of stuff that they spit out. This is like a regular thing that they do. And it's called amber grease. Have you heard of this? Anyone ever heard of amber grease? Okay, so it's, it's just basically the word for sperm whale vomit, basically, <laughs> okay? And there's a picture I think we have of it. This guy's holding it. This is sperm whale vomit. We're talking about whale vomit in church today, you guys. 
where did you come today? Um, so according to World Wildlife Foundation, ambergris is a waxy substance formed in the intestines of a sperm whale, and it's a highly valued product used in perfumery. Due to its high volume <laughs> in the market, ambergris is often called the floating gold and the treasure of the sea. And whales, when their food gets, obviously, like I said, when their food causes a blockage, sperm whales can either defecate or vomit this out. So God says he vomited, so we're going to go with that. Um, ambergris, when it grows in the size of their gut, cannot digest it anymore. So, But it's so valuable that a group of fishermen netted $1.5 million worth of whale vomit with, when they found 280 pounds of these chunks of ambergris. $1.5 million for whale vomit. That is so weird, so weird, but apparently, I mean, apparently this stuff is like one of the best smelling like things in the natural world. People will like grab it and be like, it smells like soft pine and flowers, and it's like literally like chewed up like squids and beaks of like other things, right? It's gross, but like apparently it smells really good, and it's found in luxury perfumes, so... Made me think about how expensive you want to buy your perfume for, because uh, it might have whale vomit in it. I'm <laughs> just saying. But it's incredibly valuable, right? It's also apparently has medicinal uses as well. I don't know what they are. Somebody grinds it up. Apparently, like King Charles II used to eat it. I don't know. That's too much for me, but I'm not going to go there. Apparently, it's very valuable. It has medicinal purposes, okay? So, I promise, there's a reason I'm telling you this, okay? See, Jonah came out of that whale, covered or anointed, baptized, whatever you want to call it, in amber grease. Whale vomit is gross, but it's really, really valuable, right? And it contains healing properties. It's very attractive smelling. So what's my point? The moment that Jonah hits rock bottom... When he repents, God says, I'm going to pour, or I'm going to restore you, and I'm going to pour immense value over you. It's like the, the lowest moment. The lowest moment when God should be like, yeah, I'm going to throw you in another whale. He says, no, I'm going to restore you, and I'm going to put a v- immense value on your life. And people are going to want that anointing that's on you. It's going to be so attractive. Your life's going to be so attractive, and it's going to be healing to other people. And so when you surrender your disappointments and your plans and your confusions to God, he does restore your heart, and he restores your hope. And one day you'll look back, and you'll see he, he didn't leave you, even though it felt like he left you, even though it felt like it was really unfair, even though it felt like you might rather just ignore the situation. He's like, just trust me. I got you. I'm working for your good, but you got to surrender to me. You have to give it over. And God is in the business of turning failures into futures. And so God already knew, this is what I love about this story, is that God already knew that Jonah was going to mess up. He had already pre-planned for a whale to be there the exact moment that Jonah was going to throw himself out. He knew. He knew that Jonah was going to do this. And I think this just kind of goes against the idea that some of us get that God is just waiting for us to mess up, to make a mistake, and then he's going to take us out, right, and show us how it's done. But it's, it's actually the opposite. 
He knows we're going to mess up. And he's waiting with a plan for you on the other side of it. And he, he knows. He expects us to do this. And when we finally choose to decide to obey him, he'll take that mistake and he'll make it immensely valuable and give us a really good story that's going to heal other people. A story that's going to make sense for the people that you're called to, right? The people that you're called to impact. And so I can think of a few people who probably were living some pretty rough lives that were not obeying what God was asking them to do, right? The, Ninev- the Ninevites here were known as these really evil people who were doing terrible things. And so what if your struggle was tailor-made to rescue someone else? If you can just hold on for a little bit longer, if you can just fight through it a little bit longer, if you don't give up, if you just press through, God wants to do something really great with your struggle. So we're going to move on to the next part. It's uh, chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. And this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. And on the day he entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Even the king. Like I'm skipping some verses here for time. But they ended up repenting, and they wept. Skipping ahead, it says, And when God saw what they had done and how they put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind, and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. And you know, I think it's so interesting about this story as it took these people like 1.5 seconds to listen and obey to what God was saying. They didn't know God. It was Jonah, the one who was supposed to be a prophet. He was the one who had the harder time with it. So sometimes it's us that has the harder time, right? If you, if you know Jesus, sometimes we're like, we still doubt that God's good. We still have a hard time believing him sometimes. That's so interesting to me because I think sometimes we can create a narrative of these worst-case scenarios. But when God's in it, it ends up being the best-case scenario. We always get, we can get stuck up there, right, and go play out these things. But he's not going to let you down. If he's in it, if he's called you to it, he's got a best-case scenario waiting for you on the other side of that. And we can trust God because he sees the end of the story. He sees the end of your story. And so just because it's not what we wanted doesn't mean that it's not good. And I think that's something that we really struggle with sometimes, right? And I'm like, but my plan was so good. <laughs> you don't know. I had it all lined up. Everything was perfect. And God's like, actually, it was not that great. Listen, I have something way better than you can even imagine. Way better than you can even imagine. And when he finally put aside his, his greatest fears and his agenda, agenda for the people of Nineveh, right, God didn't just protect and rescue him from them. He used him to rescue them, right? Instead of of Jonah needing to be rescued, Jonah rescued them, right? And he didn't just protect him. He he rescued an entire people group from destruction. So unfortunately, his story is still not over. There's still more. Um, And this is the part where I'm a little bit disappointed. Okay, so... I'm a little disappointed in him. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. How many of you guys, your parents said that that to you? I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Okay, that's how I feel right now. All right, so 
Chapter 4, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. And so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to angry, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. Excuse me? Just kill me now, Lord? He says, I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Um, okay. What? His pride and his reputation and his idea of getting justice was so much bigger to him than God's plan to save an entire group of people that he got so lost in that. He missed the entire point. He missed the whole thing. And I think the ironic thing is he was trying to save his reputation in that moment. But thousands of years later, here we are talking about how Jonah was so stubborn because he could not put his own agenda aside. And I think God is offering us an opportunity to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you my agenda. I'm going to give you my fears. I'm going to give you this situation. I'm going to surrender this to you. Even though it doesn't make any sense, even though it's really hard, I'm going to surrender it to you. So Jonah lost purpose because he didn't catch God's heart. And unfortunately, he like totally missed the miracle. Totally missed it. And it's really because of how he felt about these people. And I think some of us are going like, I, I know these people that you're talking about. They're in my life. And I don't think that I could do what he did. Some of us are like, we've got people in our life that we need to get, we need to get past ourselves and go, who does God care about? Every single person. He cares about every single person, even the person that drives you the most crazy in this whole world. He cares about them too. And so Jonah was happy to receive the grace, but he was reluctant to give it. And I think it's easy to point the finger at Jonah, but I think there's times we've all uttered those same words before. You know, I think we've all said, but they were really bad people, right? Uh, Don't you know what those people do? Don't you know what they did to me? Don't you know that my plan was really good? Don't you know my reputation is going to be damaged by this? I've had to do a few things where I'm like, I just got to let my reputation go. God's asking me to do something, and it's not, people aren't going to get this. But I want to tell a good story at the end of my life because I know God's got my back. I know he's going to come up behind me, and he's going to make sure that his plan succeeds. So God knew Jonah's heart. And I think he didn't just want to save the people of Nineveh. I think he wanted to save Jonah too. I think he wanted to save him from that bitterness that can really tear our life apart. And so he does that with us too. He gives us the same opportunity. And he says it's up to us whether we're going to let him do good things in our life or not. And so I want to go back to the original question, which is, How do we respond when we face difficult questions? And there's just four little things I want to give to you to walk away with today before we end. Um, And I hope you guys can grasp onto these and remember them when you go through hard times. And the first one is just take responsibility for the assignment. Don't run. Don't hide. Just take responsibility. Just do what you can. And surrender control to God what you can't. That's number two. 
do what you can. You can't control the outcome. And give him the rest of it. He'll take care of what you can't. The third thing is guard your heart and your mind. Don't take so long ruminating and processing that you let yourself go to the dark place and you find yourself sitting in whale guts. Don't let yourself get to the icky place. It's really hard to get out of there. And it's really gross. Don't let yourself go there. And then the last thing is, is to keep your focus on God's purpose. Catch God's heart. And it it's always has to do with people mattering. He wants to use you to do great things in people's lives. So my question for us today is, so where are you today? Where do you want your story to end? And what's the status of your heart? Who's leading your heart? Is it God? Is it your agenda? What is that for you? And so I want to just close in prayer and just take a moment to just ask God um, just to speak to us where we're at in this moment. And if there's anything that you guys have that you want to lay down, um, you want to surrender to God, this is that moment. So if you guys wouldn't mind just closing your eyes with me. God, we just, we give this time to you, and we know that you are good. We know that you're in control. And if there's anyone in this room right now, Lord, who, who needs to surrender to you, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. I pray that you would show them your good plan for their life. God, we trust you with all of the details, the ones we, we can try for and the ones that we can't. And so we're going to give this time to you, Lord. And, and as we enter into worship, Lord, we trust that you know the plan. You know the end of the story. So we give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.